You were listening to a message from The Exchange in Pearl, Mississippi. To find out more about The Exchange, go to www.theexchange.cc. Today we're in uh, part two of a series called Relation All, Relation All, and yes, we kind of named it that way on purpose uh, because we all have relationships that we all have to manage, all right? See what we did there? It wasn't that difficult, uh, but man, we all got relationships, and we're, so we're trying to figure out what does it look like for us to walk in God's design for the relationships in our life. So I'm going to give you um, two true statements that we started with last week. They're still true this week, and I want you to grab onto them. We'll put them on the screen. Here's what we say. When your relationships are lived under God's design, they will be under God's blessing. When your relationships are lived outside of God's design, they will be chaotic and destructive. Man, write that down. Don't miss that. If you miss everything else I say today, are right, you about to fall asleep? Get that. Um, because there's a, there's a truth in that that all of us have to wrestle with. It matters for every single person today. I don't care where you are in life. We all have relationships. And when they're done under God's design, there is also the blessing of God that can be experienced. All right? But when they're outside of God's design, and hello, we've all done that and tried that, right? We get chaotic and destructive and a lot of other words that we could fit in there that we feel. Um, some of you, maybe you've sensed that. You've known a chaotic or destructive or hurtful relationship. Maybe that's why you showed up because you heard we were talking about relationships and you're like, I've been in one. I'm in one. I want to figure out what is God's design for that. So we're going to do our best to talk about that today. We're talking out of the same passage from last week. So go Colossians 3 with me. Colossians chapter 3. I'd love for you to open up your copy of scripture to be there with me. I will also put some verses on the screen behind me so that you can follow along. Uh, today we're going to look at two verses, just two verses from Colossians chapter 3 as we talk about another relationship inside of our family. Uh, last week, we talked about the relationship of marriage. We also talked to some of the single folk last week. There's a lot of truth built into last week. If you missed it, man, I highly encourage you to go back on our website or podcast or socials or YouTube channel, whatever your jam is. Uh, man, just to be reminded that we'd all be strengthened and grow in that relationship of marriage or in pursuit of marriage, wherever you may be. Today, the two verses are going to talk to the relationship in our family, you ready, of children and parents, okay? Parents and children. Now, stay with me, stay with me. I realize when some of you hear that relationship that we're addressing today, uh, you went, oh, not me. I get to tune out today because that doesn't as much apply to my life right now. I'm going to deuce out. All right, no, so I'm saying today there's a design for all of us, Okay. All of us. I know, I'm well aware, as uh, I've been trying to say, sensitive to the Spirit this week, that we all come from a lot of different places, right? Some of you, you still got kids at home. Some of you, maybe a brand new little one. All right, <laughs> congratulations. All right, how are you sleeping right now? Um, maybe you've got some at your house still that you're wanting to leave your house at some point, all right? They're still there. Um, I'm kidding. Maybe some of you, you do have kids that have made a moved out. You miss them, but it's a new season of life. Um, for some of you, maybe it's grandkids. Some of us are parents to biological kids. Some of us, it's adoptive kids. Uh, some of us, hear me, some of us, it's spiritual kids, okay? Some of you, maybe you, you long to have kids, but God hasn't granted that to you yet, but you still have a call in this. Some of you, you're part of our spiritual family, and there's not children under your roof, but you're, you're a disciple maker within our house. You make an impact on the next generation. So here's what I'm saying today. We're coming from all different places, but I'm just crazy enough to believe that God's word's so living and it's so active that it could say something to all of us. All right, you believe that today? If you're with me, just nod like that. Let's me know that you care at all about what I have to say. That's good. Okay. Um, 
Man, maybe today God put you in this moment to hear some truth so that you could share it with somebody in your life. I think God could do that as well. So we're going to read from God's word. Let it challenge us, encourage us. A lot of truth piled in here. Colossians chapter 3 verse 20 uh, is where we're starting. So let's look at that verse together. Here's what Paul writes. He says, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Here's the first just big general instruction today. Children, obey your parents. I just pulled it right out of, I know I was not real creative there. That's just what Paul said. Children, obey your parents. Now, the original language here for this word children speaks to the children who are still at home, who are still under the care of their parents. The reality is we're all a child of somebody, okay? That's how we got here, guys, all right? We're all somebody's kid, but I know that a lot of people may be listening in this moment. You're kind of like me, where maybe you're not under the care of your parents. You're not under your parents' roof anymore. So I'm not saying today that mama still sets bedtime for you, okay? Praise the Lord, she doesn't. You can watch one more show, okay? Uh, but we still have a call. Listen to me. If you're in that season, maybe where I am, um, Man, you don't have a call to obey your parents as much anymore, but listen to me, there still is a biblical call to honor them, all right? As long as God leaves parents or guardians, caretakers who are in your life, over your life, still in your life on this earth, there is a biblical call to honor them. Now, you're your own individual now, right? You operate on your own tab, it's your own insurance, you got your own home, your own family, but I'm just telling you today, there's a... God's design is that we would still choose to honor our parents. Um, I'll never forget one of the things that took my love and my honor and my appreciation for my parents to a whole new level was when we had kids, all right? Especially when they begin to have a sinful nature, all right, and demonstrate that sinful nature. Um, I quickly realized, I was like, I did this, this same thing to my parents, all right? And so I picked up the phone and I called them and I said, I never loved you enough. I never respected you enough. And I owe you a lot of money, all right? I owe you a lot of money. Um, I say that um, jokingly, but also seriously, to say nothing reminds you of the power of a parent until you become one. God calls you to honor them, to walk in them. Now, listen to me. I didn't say that's easy, okay? Hello, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Hello, every text message and phone call that tells you how you should raise your kids now that you got to, uh-huh. But listen to me, there is still a call to walk in honor with your parents as much as it depends on you, all right? To honor God in that way that we would walk in that design with our words, with our attitudes, and ultimately with our life. Now, these verses here, as I said, they do speak primarily to children who are up under their parents' care, up under their parents' um, roof. And I realize that in this moment, as we gather on this day, many of our kids who fit that mold, a lot of them are in our next-gen environments right now, our preschoolers back in Little Life, our elementary kids um, in Kid Life. But I knew who I was going to be talking to, so I was looking earlier, and I scoped some of you out, all right? And so here's what I'm saying. We got some elementary kids that made their way in here, or some junior high, or high school kids, or college kids. And so guess what? I see you, all right? I see you. And you, you, thought, you thought you could tune out, but guess what? I got a section of today that is just for you, okay? So whoop, whoop, it's us together right now, okay? Uh, hey, listen, parents, listen, I don't, I don't need your elbow, all right? I don't, I don't need your help. Uh, I don't need your mean stare, all right? I don't need your passive Facebook post later today, hoping your teenager sees it, all right? 
Let's let the Spirit do what the Spirit's going to do, okay? He's more faithful than any of us, all right? Hey, but seriously, uh, man, elementary kids, students, high school, junior high, college, all right, listen, I, man, I got some things I think God's Word wants to teach us today. It's for all of us, all right? It's not just for moms and dads. And so here's what I want you to hear first. The original Greek word here for the word obey um, is the word hupakuo, all right? That's way more fun to say than obey, is it not? All right, maybe more fun to do. I don't know. Hupakuo, okay? And so just write that down at some point this week. Just look at mom and dad and be like, man, I love you so much. I just want to hupakuo you, okay? They may not know how to take that, all right? But you explain what the preacher said about that word. Hupakuo, that's the original word for obey. So here's, more importantly, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, let me give you, um, kids, students, here's what that means. It means a readiness to listen and carry out the instructions of the parental authority that you are under. That's what it means. I like to simplify in Rankin County terms. Um, I gave you a definition of obedience not too long ago. Um, here's what it says. You'll see it on the screen. Obedience is doing what you're told to do when you're told to do it with the right heart attitude. All right? Parents, you can screenshot that and bring it up just later tonight randomly. All right? Be good. That's all free. Um, obedience is doing what you're told to do when you're told to do it with the right heart attitude. You know why I like that? Um, because it has a what it has a when, and it has a how. It's a really clear definition. And so kids, students, lock in for a moment. Obedience um, means doing what you're asked to do. Um, not your version of what, but what you've been asked to do. Uh, obedience also has a when. And by that definition, obedience is immediate. It's not um, when you get around to it, when you feel like it. Obedience means your parent, your guardian, they ask. And you obey, you follow. But maybe most importantly, maybe most difficult, obedience has a how, has a proper attitude. So what does that mean? Because I've been a kid, I know how it works. That means not kicking and screaming, um, not mumbling under your breath, but it means with a proper heart attitude. I didn't, listen, I didn't say it was easy, but I'm just saying it's right, okay? Obedience is doing what you're told to do, when you're told to do it, with the right heart attitude. And verse 20 says, end of verse 20, said, obey your parents in everything. What did I say, kids? Everything, all right? Listen to me. That means if you're under your parents' care, you're called to obey in everything, not just when you feel like it, not when it just meets your agenda, not when it's fun or meets your desires, but in everything. Why? that's hard. I don't want to do that sometimes. Why? Here's why. Paul told us, because that's part of your obedience response to the Lord. Right? What did he say? For this pleases the Lord. Kids, students, hey, don't miss this. I know what you think, and you think, man, the call to obey my parents is really just, I got to make mom or dad happy. No, the primary call to obey your parents is to honor and make God happy. You go, where you, where you pull that? That's hard. My parents are difficult. Well, listen to me. Even Jesus demonstrated this order of authority in his life, right? We understand God is Trinity. He's Father, He's Spirit, and He's Son. And so you can read all throughout Scripture. I don't have time to give you all the examples, but where Jesus as Son, as He comes to earth, He obeys the will and the desires of His Father, even when sometimes it was really hard. Jesus modeled obedience for all of us as kids. So because God created this order of authority, don't miss this, kids, students, between parents and kids, this, was, this is what this means. When you obey your parents, you're also obeying God. But on the flip side, when you 
disobey your parents, it's not just them you're disobeying. But ultimately, in God's design, you're disobeying God. Now, kids, students, you're going to like this part. You ready? Can I tell you something? Your parents, or whoever is your guardian, your parents aren't perfect. They may not tell you that, but the preacher told you that, okay? Your parents aren't perfect. Although they love you a lot, they're not going to do everything exactly right. Now, I'm talking to kids right now. Parents, I'm going to get to you, but I got a little nugget for you, okay? Parents, one of the most powerful things that you can do is practice asking for forgiveness. When you're wrong to your kids or around your kids. A few weeks ago, um, we were loading up at my house. It was myself, my wife, and my 10-year-old son. And it was a timeline we were working on, and it was a high-stress moment. Everybody get in the car, grab this, do this, all right? And in that moment, I spoke harshly to my wife in front of my son. And about 30 seconds later, you know what happened? My son spoke harshly to my wife. You know what I was left to do in that moment? Call timeout. No timelines matter anymore because we got a moment. And I had to stand in front of my wife and in front of my son, and I had to ask for forgiveness. And I had to apologize to my son, to my wife, in front of them. Why? Because there's power in modeling. We're not perfect. We don't always get it right. All right? God grows us. He needs us to model that. So listen to me. Kids, parent, kids and students, your parents aren't perfect. They're not going to get it all right. I know because I am one. You know who does get it all right? Jesus. He's the only one. That's why we sing about him, read about him, talk about him, point people to him. That's why he changes lives and not anybody else. And here's what I'm telling you, kids, students, don't, if you don't catch anything else, catch this. You will never be able to fully love and honor and obey your parents until you first follow Jesus. Plain and simple. Okay, That's not what the preacher says. That's just what another brother says. Okay. God calls you to, to follow him. That means that you surrender your whole life to him. And when you do that, that's why we do things like we read God's word because it reminds us of who God is. That's why we um, and hang out with other people who love Jesus because they sharpen our lives and they grow us more in Christ's likeness. That's why we worship and we serve and we trust him and we follow him and we pray. All those things are because Jesus goes first. And kids, students, listen to me. When you learn to walk in that and you begin to surrender your life and develop that relationship, watch what happens. You get better at obeying and submitting and respecting and honoring your parents. Why? Because you're not doing it in your strength and your power anymore. But you're doing it because you go, man, God has loved me this way. He overflows his love to me. Therefore, I have love to give. I can honor. I can obey because Jesus went first and he loved me. So God calls us, right? You first to a relationship with him. Now, let me, let me ask a question that may be a difficult question. Is there ever a time, kids, students, is there ever a time to not obey your parents? I'm going to say yes, okay? And listen to me, kids, students. If there's ever a moment where your parent or your guardian, whoever's your caretaker, if they call you to do something that is displeasing to God, that would be counted as sin, that's against God's design and his plan, then listen to me real carefully. I would encourage you to man, tell another adult who loves you that you can trust, and then God does not call you to walk in obedience to that. Now, my prayer as your pastor and as your friend is that Man, we, we wouldn't have that in our families. But I realize we live in a broken culture, and there are households where, unfortunately, that's a reality. So if that's you as a kid or a student, listen to me. And I want you to hear that the exchange loves you, right, and it's for you, 
And we're here to walk with you and help you in any way that we can. But the overall call is for kids to obey their parents. Children, obey your parents in everything. Why? Because this pleases the Lord. That's where God's blessing is found. Kids and students, let me give you a simple phrase that I was told as a kid, and I still remember to this day. Obedience brings blessing, but disobedience brings conflict. Okay? Screenshot that, however you need to remember that. Obedience will bring blessing. Disobedience brings conflict. Listen to me. I didn't say obedience was easy, but I just said it's always right. And that's what we've said from the beginning, right? Obedience brings blessing. Disobedience brings conflict. Obedience is God's design. Therefore, when you choose to walk in that obedience, guess what your family experiences? The blessing of God, because you're trying to walk in that. Guess what your life experiences? The blessing of God. But when you get outside of that, and we all have at some point, when you get outside of that, there is chaos and destruction. There is punishment. There is penalties. There are repercussions that happen as a result of that. But kids and students, last thing for you, the most God-honoring thing that you can do, the most loving thing to your parents that you can do in this season right now that you're in is obey your parents. To do what they ask you to do, when they ask you to do it, with the right heart attitude, to love and respect them so that you might live in the design of God, so that you might know and walk in the blessing of God. Okay? So children, obey your parents. Now, Let's go to our second verse for today, Colossians 3.21. Paul writes this. He says, Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Now, second verse now, we're talking to parents, okay? So all my parents lock in. Again, some of you are parents to biological kids. Some of you to adopted kids. Some of you to grandkids or God kids. Some of you at spiritual kids. There is a design and purpose for all of us in this. Now, here's how I'm going to summarize our big truth statement. You ready? Parents, guardians, caretakers... Parents, guide your children in truth. Okay, we're going to break that down, talk all about that. But parents, guide your children in truth. What does that mean? Well, the first thing that I want us to see from verse 21 is the first word of verse 21. Did you catch in the NIV what was the first word of verse 21? Anybody catch it? Cool. Good. We got a lot of people listening today. I like that. Y'all locked in, okay? Now, the original language here that Paul writes, guess what? That word incorporates both parental figures, and we're going to get to that. But I also don't think it's by accident that it translates first as fathers. Dads, I am one. We play a massively important role in the raising and the shepherding and the rearing and the parenting and the guiding of our children. What do you mean by that? Well, let me, let me say it this way. Um, dads, we set the tone for our household. Let's talk about my world. If I come home from work and I'm stressed and I'm letting that be known, it sets the tone for my household. If I wake up angry and agitated and criticizing everything around me because I'm just in a bad mood, it sets the tone for my household. If my volume of my voice raises in a moment of conflict, you know what typically happens? Everybody else's volume raises too. However, man, if I choose to quickly give grace, if I choose to be quick to forgiveness in my household, it's amazing how it changes the tone around me. If I'm quick to live selfless or to put others first, 
It changes the tone of the household around me. Listen to me, guys. We play a powerful and valuable role in the lives of our kids, of our spouses that we walk in, that we parent in. Our role matters a lot. Dads, hear me, okay? The role of parenting is not just your wife's responsibility. That may be what she's been trying to tell you. Okay. God did not give your wife those kids. He gave you and your wife those kids to do what? <laughs> to guide them in truth. And that responsibility is one of the greatest responsibilities that you'll ever have on the face of this planet. Fathers walk in it. Dads, we go first. But now this word fathers does incorporate both parents, moms and dads. There's a call to love and raise our kids. Whether you're doing that today as a single parent or you're co-parenting with a spouse that you're married to or maybe you're co-parenting with an ex-spouse that you're not living with because you're not married anymore, there's a whole new dynamic there. But listen to me, God has a design and purpose in all of that. And I believe what the word needs to say today matters to all of us. Here's what Paul says. He immediately speaks to one of the major downfalls of parenting in verse 21 when Paul says, do not embitter your children. Now, that's the NIV version. Some translations say, um, do not aggravate or do not exasperate, do not agitate your children. Here's the deal. No matter what verbiage your translation says, no matter what verbiage is used, here's what Paul's saying. Don't miss it. Parents, be aware of holding authority over your kids in such a way that you discourage their heart and crush their spirit. As I was prepping this week, I ran across a real and relevant list of some ways that parents can embitter um, or exasperate, whatever your word is, their children. Let me give you, there's six of them. Um, maybe one of these sticks out to you. Way number one is overprotection. Never allowing them any liberty but continually living with strict rules, which does what? Why is that a big deal? Which ultimately never demonstrates any trust in their children. Okay? That's probably not for your preschooler, all right? But it's a real thing as they get older. Second way that we can embitter our kids is by depreciating their worth. Many children feel that what they have to say or what they do or what they feel is no longer important. One of the ways that that happens in our culture primarily is parents who refuse to listen. And kids finally get to the point where they get discouraged and they say, well, I'm not communicating anymore. I'm not going to tell you how I feel, not going to tell you what I did, not going to tell you where my world is. Third way is by setting unrealistic goals where nothing is ever good enough and they never get rewarded or approval for anything positive that they do because there's always another goal and always another expectation to meet. Number four is this, by failing to show affection, our kids can grow embittered. Affection how? Both physically and verbally. Number five, by a lack of standards. This is the opposite of overprotection, okay? I'm not saying be helicopter parent, but if you got a lack of standards, if children are left to their own with no boundaries and no guidelines, they cannot handle that freedom. I'll never forget when we adopted our daughter Kate at age 14, I had to go in her bedroom one night to discipline her, all right, with grace and instruction. And I delivered that discipline, and in that I said the words, you may not like me for this, but this is what I'm called to do and what I'm called to 
lead you in in obedience, and I'll never forget her looking at me, and she said, thank you. Not sarcastically, but seriously. She said, thank you. I said, what do you mean? And she said, I realize that you're doing that because you love me. God calls us to set a standard in our household, to lay boundaries, to lay guidelines. Here's the sixth way that we can embitter our kids is by destructive criticism. Listen to me. A child learns what they live. They learn what they live. And if a child lives in a home of continual criticism, they only learn to condemn themselves and expect the coming doom in life. Those are just a few of the ways that I just pulled from that list of ways that we as parents can embitter, exasperate our kids. Um, another commentator, he summed it up this way. He said, parents can provoke their children by being too harsh, too demanding, too controlling, unforgiving, or just plain angry. And this can be expressed through words, through actions, or through nonverbal communication. And you go, why does it matter? Why is it a big deal? Man, we lay the law at my house. Well, listen to me. Children who grow up with parents who provoke them, or as Paul says, embitter them, ultimately end up discouraged, believing, well, apparently the whole world is against me. Because the parent or the parents that God's given me are certainly not for me. So what's the challenge today? Didn't say it was easy. What's the challenge? Well, the challenge for us as parents is to season our parenting with a lot of grace and a lot of forgiveness. Where do we get that model? Just like God does for you and me. We're called to walk in that, to raise our kids in that. Now, Scripture is very clear that God disciplines. Scripture is very clear that you and I as a parent or a guardian, a caretaker, we're called to discipline. Let me give you a verse from Scripture. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. Look at this verse on the screen. Scripture says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone that he accepts as his son. What did it say? God disciplines who? Those he loves. So part of the way that we love our kids is that we are called to discipline. Parents, let me give you this phrase. Never discipline in anger always discipline in love. Never discipline in anger, but we always discipline in love. So Scripture said God disciplined those that he loves. There is a clear call for parents to instruct, to guide, to correct their children with discipline, but don't miss this. The manner in which we do it and the motive behind that matters. Here's what I mean. Parents, we don't discipline our kids because we're worried what other parents might think of our kids. I got real. Parents, we don't discipline our kids because we are annoyed. Or you're on my last nerve. Hear me. We discipline our kids to create Christ-like character in our children. We discipline their heart to create Christ-like character in our children. So we never discipline in anger, but it always comes from a place of love let me give you a verse from Proverbs 19, verse 18. It says, discipline your children, for in that there is hope. There's a call. If you're not walking in that, you're missing it. But there's a way to do that. Do not be a willing party to their death. There's boundaries. There's guidelines scripturally that we're called to set. Parents, we have a massive responsibility um, because we have one of the biggest responsibilities to paint one of the clearest pictures of God and his character to our kids. 
That's your role and that's mine. What they think of God will often be what they feel and hear and know from us. A few weeks ago, um, we were at a baseball tournament that my 10-year-old son was playing in, um, and it was in between games he was playing in, so we were watching another game happen on the field of other 9- and 10-year-olds. And one of the kids at the plate, he popped the ball up to the infield, and if you know anything about baseball, you'll kind of follow this. And he took about three or four steps to first. He was frustrated, and he stopped. He stopped running. The ball ultimately hits the infield, lands on the ground. They miss it, but they pick it up and throw him out at first base because he failed to run, right? He made a mistake, a clear baseball mistake, and he knew it. You could see it all over his face. And about the same time that that happened, a dad from the dugout that I quickly identified as his dad, one of the coaches, said, get over here right now! And with his helmet in his hand, that boy made his way to the dugout waiting for the impending doom. And I watched as that dad lit his son up, hollering, dropping words I can't repeat in front of his teammates, in front of the other coaches, in front of the other fans, and I don't know who he's trying to impress, and in front of everybody who could hear within 100 yards of that moment. You know, in that moment, as my heart broke for really that son and that dad, I thought, man, if, if it looks like this in a moment of being in public, there have to be dozens of other moments that are never seen that are the same or maybe way worse. And then my next thought was this, what kind of picture of the character of God is that dad painting for his son? And I can tell you, he painted in that moment and maybe, unfortunately, in many other moments, he painted a picture of the character of God that when you make a mistake, God will shame you in his anger and he will throw guilt on you and embarrass you. Now, that's a tough story to think about. And some of you would go, well, I would never do that. I mean, we're not like that. Not at my house. That's not how we raise. I've seen it. That's embarrassing that people do that. But I'll just ask you today, man, what, what picture of God and his character do you paint um, when your kid brings home a, a grade that's less than satisfactory according to your household? Um, what, what picture of God and his character are you painting when your kid annoys you while you're trying to watch your show. See, every day, every moment, God has entrusted to us a responsibility to paint a picture, one of the clearest pictures that our kids will ever know and ever see, of God and of his character to our kids. And it's a weighty call. There's a heavy responsibility. Let me give you a truth that I heard a long time ago about the parent-child relationship. Still remember it to today. Children do in excess what parents do in moderation. Children often do in excess what parents do in moderation. You say, what do you mean? Well, let me just talk about what I'm learning. My children's bad habits are often the clearest reflections of the sinful and weak areas of my life. When I see one of my kids act out in anger, I see me. Whenever I see one of my kids lack compassion for a friend or somebody that they're interacting with, a lot of times I see my sin. When I see one of my kids be critical or overly negative, 
The Holy Spirit highlights my weak areas of my life. Much of what my kids reflect is what they see in me. It's the same way today, guys, with your kids or your grandkids or your spiritual kids. Children will often do in excess what parents do in moderation. I want you to look back at the final phrase from verse 21. Paul said, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become, what does it say? Discouraged. See, here's the deal. I think here's why Paul was so clear and so direct in what he said. The painful and most destructive result of parenting that embitters or exasperates our children is that they would become discouraged. And the reality is, I believe, guys, as I just look around me, and it's not every case, but man, it's way too many cases. The reality is, in many ways, we are creating a generation full of kids who are discouraged. They're discouraged in their view of themselves. They're discouraged in their view of the world. Most importantly, they can be discouraged in their view of God. Uh, Let me show you this verse from Proverbs 18. It says, the human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. See, if we're not careful, parents, we can crush the spirits of our children to a place that will be really hard to heal from. I was in a conversation um, with an older man not too long ago who now has adult kids. He says, you know, I think about a season of my life many years ago where I really abandoned my kids because of my work and my purposes that I was pursuing. He said, I now realize that how I lived in that season affects the faith of my children in this season. And I'm just telling you today, as a co-parent with you, that every day our actions, our attitudes, our words, our motives are affecting the faith of our children right now, whatever season you're in, right now, right now. My greatest role as a parent, hear me guys, my greatest role as a parent isn't to create a straight-A student. It's not to create a doctor or a lawyer or a professional athlete or a world-class musician or the greatest dancer or artist. Listen to me. Your role as a parent isn't to create a straight-A student. There's nothing wrong with teaching them to work hard. Your role is not to create them so that they can get the best career and take care of you one day with six figures. Nothing wrong with getting a good job. Your your greatest role is not to teach them to be a professional athlete or a world-class musician or the greatest artist. Man, teach them to excel and to have gifts and skills. Our greatest role, hear me, our greatest role is to raise and to shepherd and to love our kids in such a way that they are so rooted in Jesus that at whatever point in this life, whatever life throws at them, that it would not cause their faith to fade or to waver whether daddy and mama are with them or not. That's what we'll be measured for. Period. Parenting is hard work. A few years ago, um, and God prompted me to begin just writing down a prayer for my kids. And um, today he prompted me that I would just kind of share that with you guys. It's just a couple of sentences. It's short. I don't pray it every day. I should, but from time to time, this is my prayer that I wrote down. God, help me. God, help me raise kids who are inspired by their father's love for Jesus, are aware of their God-given purposes, and are confident of my support for them 
to pursue those purposes. Now, I wonder today, what's, what's the prayer that you're praying for your kids, your spiritual kids, your grandkids? Listen to me. Parenting's hard work, like daily. It's frustrating. It's stressful. We get it wrong a lot. But here's what I want you to know today. I can only parent in God's design if I'm personally living in God's design. It's the only way it works. Guess what? I don't know you. I don't know your story. I don't know your church background. But God's design works the same way for you. You can only parent in this way to raise up kids so that their fates are good. You'll only get that if you're personally living in God's design. And so parents, hear me. We cannot lead unless we first follow. That's how he made it. Listen, you can try on your own, muster up enough strength, read some good Facebook posts, catch some parenting books, self-help your way into it. Listen to me. And you'll end up in counseling so much you can't pay for it. God had a design. He created you and he created them and he created the relationship together. But you'll only parent in his design if you're walking in it. And so let me just like easy softball questions that I have to ask myself at my household. Parents, um, how consistently, men, are you loving and pursuing the word? Like, is, is it a rhythm? Is it a pattern in your life to help remind you of God's design so that you can then walk in the design? Or you just break it open on Sundays when I tell you where to turn to. I'm just telling you, that's not enough. Um, parents, are you, have you surrounded yourself with other Jesus-following friends? For us, we'd like to do that in groups because we think that's important. What, what's, well, I don't need that. I'm like, no, listen. No, they help encourage you. And they help hold you accountable. And they pray for you. And they talk about their struggles. And you talk about your struggles. And you grow together. Like God made it that way. Um, parents... How often are you practicing prayer and worship and serving and giving? Those are not busy things. Those are things that remind me of how good God is in his design so that I can then model that design. We can only parent in God's design if we are personally living in God's design. And I'm the first to step to the front of the line and say, I got a long way to go. I'm not perfect. I'm learning every day and stumbling every day, sometimes stumbling more than I'm learning. But as I thought about, men, this moment, I thought about you today and this journey that we're in that's not easy, that's so hard, that God can equip us for. I was like, man, what, what can we do to help them? Like, I, I want to give you something. I should talk at you. So I just want to point you somewhere today. You can choose how seriously you want to take it or not, but we're going to put on the screen today here in this room in our online gathering. This is a spot already on our website, all right? exchange.cc forward slash phases, okay, forward slash phases. If you're on our Church Center app, you can go to our Life and Faith tab. You can click that there. What am I going to find if I go there? Well, I got you. Here's what you're going to find. It's broken down into all the different phases of your kid's life. So you got a newborn? We got you. You got a three-year-old picking their nose? We got you. Okay? You got an elementary kid don't like to do their homework? We got you. Junior high, high school, okay? Different parts of this are broken down into the phases of your kid's life. And here's what you're going to find. You're going to find, um, man, questions that they're asking at this point in their life. Be good to know. You're going to find how to talk about Jesus, how to speak about the gospel in this phase of your kid's life. You're going to find books. You're going to find audio resources. There's free videos that you can access. It's all there. There's apps that it'll tell you about. All to help you grow 
and be the disciple maker in your kid's life. Listen to me, it ain't easy and you can't do it by yourself and neither can I. And we want to help you in any way we can. But here's what I can promise you. When your relationships are lived under God's design, they'll also be under his blessing. But when they get outside of his design, good luck. It'll be chaotic and destructive. And God has a design today for parents and children. Kids, students, his way's best. Mom, dad, his way's always best. But you got to seek it. you got to walk in it. And when you do, then you'll begin to know and understand the blessing of doing life and doing relationships God's way. Thanks for joining us online today. We gather not just to sing songs and hear the teaching of scripture, but we also gather so that we might be changed to live more like Jesus. Through our time today, we pray that you were challenged and encouraged to think about your own life and how you may or may not be living out Jesus' command to follow him. We want you to know that we are available and ready to pray for and encourage you as you seek to know God and what it means to live in relationship with him. To get a conversation started with one of our ministry team members, you can simply text your first name to 601-397-6111. Our ministry team would love to pray for you and help you in any way. You can also find reading plans and other resources to help you take next steps in your faith on our website, theexchange.cc. As we close out our time today and prepare to scatter as the church, let's speak out our declaration together. We believe the great exchange took place when Jesus, who had no sin, became sin for us so we could know God. We exist to see people exchange their old life for new life in Christ and live out their purpose. Christ's love compels us to exchange ideas for truth. God's word is our standard. Selfishness for serving, we will serve others. Pleasing for reaching, we will share our faith. Keeping for dispersing, we will make disciples. Forgetting for celebrating, we will praise God. We are the church. Yeah.